Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I'm Jessica, your host, and also from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers. I have a booth at my local farmer's market on the weekends, a small Etsy shop, and many, many years in the garden that I aim to share with you to help you get started with your own garden, to use sustainable and natural methods, to have fun out there, have a productive garden of flowers and veggies and all that good stuff, and just really come to love spending time in the garden. In this episode, we are talking about direct sowing versus starting seeds indoors and a little bit of a rundown of what each method involves, what are some of the pros and cons of each one, and then I also have a short list because it could become a very long list of recommended flowers, veggies, and herbs for each type of seed starting, as well as a few where I would recommend that you skip sowing it altogether, whether indoors or out, and just go straight for a seedling because it will set you up for a much higher chance of success. Okie dokie, so let's start with direct sowing because that one's a little bit more straightforward. So direct sowing means planting straight into your prepared garden bed. So you get your packet of seeds, you go out to your garden bed, raised bed, container, hanging basket, whatever it is, and you put the seeds straight into the soil. And that's where they are going to live their whole life. There's no transplanting involved. There's no indoors, no lights, no nothing. It's just straight out into the garden. Some of the benefits of this are kind of like I just mentioned, there aren't any middle steps. You get your garden bed ready, you sow the seeds, and you keep them moist until they germinate and take care of them really very simply. That's that's really all there is to it. So you don't need any equipment beyond those basics, you know, maybe a rake to get your garden ready or the soil, I mean, or a shovel or a hose or watering can to keep everything well watered. Very, very minimal equipment. Now, some of the downsides of direct sowing are that you might have rougher soil that is either a little bit chunky or there are maybe some rocks in there that isn't as friendly to a newly sprouting seed as a smoother or finer seed bed. If there are big sticks or pockets of air, that can really disturb your the seed's germination process, and so that can be a hindrance. Additionally, you are totally at the mercy of the weather and soil temperature, which can obviously be unpredictable as winter is ending and spring is taking over. You might think that the rain is easing up and so the soil is drying out, but then comes a day of full rain after you've sown out your bed, which can wash away your seed. It can drown out your seed, you know, depending on how long it's going to be raining. If it rains for one day, your seed's going to be fine. It might get washed away a little bit, but it's not going to rot. Whereas if it rains for a week straight and your seed is sitting there in the dirt, it could potentially start to rot at that point, depending on, you know, if it's a thick coated seed like um, peas, we'll say snap peas or sweet peas, or if it's a very thin seed, something like cucumbers. Um, And so you are more at the mercy of your weather when you direct sow into the garden. And so you might have spotty germination, you might have no germination at all, uh, and it might be slower germination because the soil just isn't at the right temperature, which you can control the temperature by sowing indoors. So there, that for me is one of the biggest downsides. It's one of the reasons I actually direct sow very few plants because I dislike that unpredictability and dependence on the weather. I would rather control those things. Additionally, if you have neighborhood cats or inquisitive kids, like I do, or birds, they can get into your garden beds, they can eat the seeds, they can move them around, they can dig them up. 
We all know the damage that cats can do in garden beds, and none of those are very friendly to your itsy-bitsy seeds either, or even your large seeds, especially if a crow comes along and eats all of your corn seeds. And then lastly, if those seeds don't germinate because of rain or cats or a gopher dug a hill in the middle of your garden bed, then you have empty spots um, because of that spotty germination. But this one's kind of a meh you know, not really a downside because of course you can just transplant something in there, but it's worth mentioning if you are trying to avoid buying seedlings or starting indoors, you might have to come back later once your first round has all germinated and you kind of see where those empty spots are and either transplant something or sow something in if you are looking to maximize your space. Of course, you can totally just leave it open, throw some mulch on there, call it good, um, but it's worth mentioning. So on the other hand, we have starting seeds indoors, indoor seed starting. So as the name obviously suggests, this method means that you're starting the seeds seeds indoors in some sort of artificial scenario. And by that, I mean you're using grow lights or shop lights, or you're using a heat mat or a warm area that could still be a greenhouse that's considered seed starting indoors. My goodness, what a tongue twister. Um, Or it can be in your basement, your garage, your attic, wherever, but you're not just outside exposed to all of the elements. And then you grow them indoors for whatever length of time they require. I would say four to eight weeks is really the, the average. Of course, there are some that go longer, there are some that are shorter, but that's a nice window. And then you transplant them to the garden. So on the plus side, like I mentioned, you have a lot more control over this method. You can use heat mats to bring the soil temperature up. You control how often or how infrequently you water. You have shop lights that you can set to run for 16 hours and then turn off for a nighttime, which is more daylight than what your seeds are going to get outside once they sprout. You know, if you're doing it now in February when the days are not that long yet. You can also plant out only what has grown and you don't have that wasted space in the garden from the seeds that didn't germinate. So if you plant out 10 seeds indoors and nine of them sprout, then you have nine plants to plant out in the garden. You don't have that 10th empty spot if you had planted those 10 seeds directly into your garden bed. I like that convenience of knowing exactly what's going out to the garden, but you know, just like I mentioned before with the direct sowing, this one could not really count as a benefit or a con because it just kind of is what it is. And there are very easy ways to fix those bare spots. And then the last one, and more importantly, is indoor sowing extends the season for slow growing crops or long maturing crops that need a longer growing season than what you naturally have. So for this, I'm looking at tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, definitely where I'm at in Oregon zone eight, They need a long growing season that if I were to just put a tomato seed in the garden bed or an eggplant or pepper in particular, they would sprout, they would grow, but chances are I would get a very short harvest window because so much of my growing season would be spent bringing that tomato from just a little itty bitty seed to a producing plant that it's wasting a lot of that growing season and a frost would come before it had its chance to reach its full potential as a productive crop. So you really, you buy yourself time by starting seeds indoors. However, of course, there is a downside, and that is you need equipment. 
And this can be done very cheaply. I mentioned this back in episode, I'll have to look it up really quickly. Um, Episode 33, Thrifty Gardening, How to Grow on a Budget, where you don't have to go and buy all this fancy dancy equipment. Please don't feel like you have to go buy a grow light specifically with the full spectrum of light and all this nonsense. It's totally not true. All you need are basic shop lights from Home Depot or Lowe's or even Amazon, and it'll work totally fine. And so, but that's still an expense. And you can use yogurt containers or red Solo cups or toilet paper rolls, but you still need something to put them on. You need potentially a rack or a shelf or something like that. So it's not a totally free experience to start seeds indoors. It can be done very, very cheaply, but it does cost some money. And I would be neglectful if I didn't mention that. Next up for another con of starting seeds indoors is along with that control of being able to, you know, monitor your moisture and light and temperature and all that stuff. Because you're in an artificial environment, you also need to monitor for things like fungus or mold or fungus gnats that are more likely to grow in that warm, moist, enclosed area as opposed to outdoors where they've got the wind to blow them around, dry things off, birds to eat the bugs, all that stuff. So you might need to get a fan to circulate your air a little bit. You might need to get some yellow sticky traps to keep on top of the fungus gnats. And those are totally normal. Fungus gnats are not a big deal. It's not like, oh my gosh, I've got this dirty seed starting situation going on. They're in the soil. Even when you start with a sterile soil mix, they still manage to find their way into your seed starting area. It's totally not a, it doesn't mean that you are a bad gardener if you see fungus gnats in your seed starting setup, your germination station, as I like to call it. It just kind of is one of those things. And lastly, you need space. Sorry, I had to look at my notes because I knew I had one last thing. You need space if you're in a super tight apartment or, you know, your whole family's packed into a small house. We did that once, four people and two dogs in 800 square feet. It was something else, but there was nowhere to start seeds inside. And so if you are in an apartment, like I said, a crowded house or whatever, it is something that you need to make a little bit of space for. Of course, you can limit yourself to starting, you know, say one flat of your super valuable seedlings like tomatoes and basil and peppers and get by with that. But Again, just like the cost, it's worth mentioning because it's something you have to think about. So what should you choose? Of course, the answer here is it depends because it depends on, first of all, your preference. Some people swear up and down by direct sowing. They hate the steps of starting inside, hardening off, transplanting out. They would rather just put their garden, put their seeds out in the garden, baby them out there and what sprouts sprouts. And other people like me, prefer to keep my seeds inside where I can monitor them more closely. I can see exactly what's germinating and either restart something if I really need it or just be aware that I'm going to be short on whatever I thought I would have and just plant all those out to the garden. Is really, it just depends on your style of gardening, the amount of space you have, the money you want to put into it. And you might even benefit from experimenting with both, you know, either start two crops side by side one indoors, one straight out in the garden, or, you know, take half of your of your um, crops that you're going to grow and start half inside, half outside, and then kind of get a feel for each one. You know, how often are you thinking to yourself, oh, crap, I forgot to check on my seeds. Does that mean your seeds out in the garden or does that mean your seeds out in the garage? 
or man, this germination is really poor on whatever this crop is. Is that poor on your seeds inside or your seeds out in the garden? And if one method is going better for you than the other, then that can be a really good indication of what you should stick with going forward. And then you can always practice the other skill, of course. You know, if your indoor seed starting is not going so well, then you can analyze it a little bit and see what do I need to fix? Maybe your setup is too cold or it's too humid or whatever the case is. Um, And obviously don't take one-off events like the neighbor cat getting into your bed as, well, direct sowing didn't work for me. I'll never do it again. You know, that's kind of outside of your control unless it's your own cat and then maybe you got to talk to it. Um, And then it also will depend a little bit on what you're trying to grow. So let's pretend you want to grow your own salad bar and you want lettuce and radish and carrots and cilantro and basil and all the things. For something like that, you could totally get away with direct sowing everything. I still, you know, enjoy starting those inside, but they're going to be absolutely fine, especially something like carrot. I would not personally start that indoors. I would put that out because it's a root vegetable. It develops a long tap root right from the get-go. And in cases like that, oftentimes the seedling doesn't appreciate being transplanted because you have to handle the roots and it goes through transplant shock where it just kind of stops growing for a week or two and then it will resume. So if you direct sow, you can totally avoid that and it'll just germinate and grow in place. Likewise with lettuce, it it does just fine direct sowing in the garden. However, if I were growing something like a salsa garden where I knew I wanted tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, some of these really long maturing heat loving crops, I would for sure be starting that indoors because a tomato takes months and months to grow and mature, and my growing season is not long enough to allow for that unless I start eight to 10 weeks early indoors. So depends a little bit on your preference, depends a little bit on what you're planning to grow. Once again, you can totally mix and match. Like I'm growing salad greens and radish. I'm certainly also growing peppers and tomatoes. My radish, I'm going to sow straight outdoors because it's also a root crop root crop germinates so easily a kindergartner could do it and there's no need to take up space or grow light or shop light space for something like a radish whereas that pepper that tomato I will definitely be starting those indoors I actually just sowed my peppers like two days ago cannot wait they are so slow to germinate and so they need that extra time they need the heat mat that they're sitting on they need the light right away And I am babying those little guys because I want them to produce really well for me. Whereas if I were to wait until May, when my my risk of frost has passed, it would take a very long time for them to germinate. Chances of the soil drying out and then the seed drying out temporarily, you know, because it, it just got warmer than I expected and I haven't watered yet. Those chances are much higher as opposed to starting them now indoors where I can totally control them and keep an eye on them. I feel like I'm talking a mile a minute. Sorry about that, guys. Alrighty. So the last thing I want to leave you with is some crop recommendations for each method because I've kind of hinted at this already. Some seeds prefer slash need to be started indoors and others prefer to be sown straight out in the garden with direct sowing. So one easy way I like to break this down without giving you a list of like 50 for each is really big seeds like beans, zucchini, nasturtium, sunflowers, corn. 
those are all totally fine to direct sow out in the garden and some even prefer it, such as I mentioned this in a past episode, but peas like sweet peas, snap peas, they traditionally it has been said that they prefer to avoid being transplanted because they don't like their long taproot being manhandled. I don't find this to be the case. I start my peas inside all the time. I started all my sweet peas and they're sprouting and they will transplant. But try it for yourself and see which method you prefer. And so on the flip side of that, really tiny seeds like snapdragon or basil, status, um, even yarrow, those ones can all benefit from starting indoors because they are so tiny. They are much more vulnerable to things like wind blowing them away or the tiniest bit of dehydration in your soil can potentially mean that this itsy bitsy germinating seed will dry out and then your itsy bitsy sprout will also dry out and die and you cannot bring it back once it has been fried in the sun. You can bring back a wilted plant oftentimes, but if your seed has just cracked open and a tiny little sprout is coming out and it gets dried out, in my experience, you are toast and you have to start over because they just don't recover the way you would hope that they do. Also, of course, like I, sorry, again mentioned, is for plants like peppers, tomatoes, tomatillos, eggplants, those nightshade crops in particular that are almost tropical in the right climate and love to grow in the heat, need a really long season to grow and mature. Those ones are also even... Even when I lived in California, I still started my tomatoes and peppers indoors because it just it it works so much better. It's a better use of your space. It's a better use of your time and your growing season. And just I would recommend going that way. Although I did just think of a little caveat. You will sometimes see volunteer tomato plants. If you have a tomato that fell on the ground that you you know missed t- during your harvest or it m- overmatured and you just didn't pick it for whatever reason it'll fall to the ground. Very frequently, you will see those tomato seeds sprout outside. And sometimes they will sprout at the right time to where you do actually get a harvest off of them. And sometimes they are the best tasting tomatoes, even better than the ones that you specifically planted. And I don't know if it's because they're a little bit neglected because and less water means a more intense flavor, or if it's because they acclimated to the garden, you know, last season. I don't know what it is, but sometimes they just taste so, so good. And so I will say in that case, you can direct sow a tomato. It just belied everything I just said, but volunteers are like that. They come up wherever they want. They usually thrive because nature said, hey, it's time to wake up. Let's go. So if you see a volunteer, leave it there. See what happens. You'll see this with tomatoes, with flowers like calendula, cosmos, sunflowers, certainly. And chances are you'll get a good harvest off of that. However, I would not put my whole stake my whole tomato harvest off of just volunteers or just direct sowing. That would be a fool's errand, in my opinion, because I value my tomatoes way too much. So side note complete for this episode. Um, And then for other seeds that you just want to be sure that they germinate. This one doesn't really fall into anything as far as tiny seed versus big seed. It's just where are your priorities? If you want a bumper crop of basil so that you have pesto in the freezer or you want to grow, I don't know, a ton of nigella for a spring bouquet or something. Personally, I would start those indoors because like I've mentioned, I have control over their germination. I know what I'm getting 
to get out into the garden and it just makes me feel more comfortable with, I know this is what my harvest is going to be because these plants are alive, barring any sort of disaster like slugs coming and eating them or my kids pulling up a seedling that I just planted. They get a thrill out of that when they're young. They're growing out of it now, but I can't even count how many times I've been out transplanting something like a lettuce and they come right behind me and they pull it out and that poor little thing has to get transplanted a couple of times. Typically they survive though. So those are my general ones that my general rules of what is easy to direct sow, what is easy to start indoors. To give you a quick little list, I wrote down a couple of things. So the the ones that I feel okay direct sowing are big seeded plants like nasturtium, sunflower, beans, corn, squash, and cucumbers. Those, and even then, really, except for the corn, I start them indoors because it's just what I prefer. Um, especially something like the nasturtium because I can get a jump on the season because it's slightly cold tolerant. Veggies that I will always, always start indoors are peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, tomatillos, alliums like chives and scallion and onion. I will also start those indoors because they need a nice long runway before I transplant them. Leeks, you can also put leeks in that category. Uh, Another member of the allium family that I always forget to mention on here. And then for other flowers that I will always start indoors are things like snapdragons. There's no way I would put a snapdragon seed straight out in the garden. Those things are so small. They're like a speck of dust or even herbs. Speaking of size, herbs like mint. I just sowed some yesterday in some soil blocks and those things are even smaller than snapdragons. They're seriously like dust and you can barely see them. So you kind of just drizzle them over your growing medium. Other herbs that I would recommend starting indoors, not because of the size of their seed, but because they're just very, very slow to get started, are ones like thyme or oregano or even basil. Basil's very easy to start from seed. I like to start it early indoors just so that I get it producing that much sooner out in the garden. It loves heat, and so it appreciates getting planted out when it's already been warm. Um, Whereas something like cilantro is a nice large seed. It can tolerate cooler soil. So I would put that one straight out in the garden if I didn't have space to start it indoors or, you know, I was in a rush to just get something out there. And then the last thing I want to bring up are there are a few plants where I wouldn't recommend starting them from seed at all because they are either difficult to germinate or they just grow so slowly that by the time you get them to harvestable size, too much time has gone by where, you know, you want your harvest in a couple, maybe a few months, and these ones take a year to be harvestable or six months, and it's just a very long time of babying this plant. So I'm talking about things like lavender, which are so slow to germinate, so slow to grow. Some people have tricks of cold stratification or winter sowing them that gets them going, but even then they just grow very slow until they bloom or they have enough leaves on there that you can harvest for, you know, doing anything with them. Rosemary, I would also recommend buying as a seedling something like a mint. You can, I just said I started mint from seed. It's an experiment. I've never started mint from seed. There's my uh, dirty secret. I've only ever either bought a seedling or gotten it from a friend, like as a cutting, because they propagate so easily from cutting almost to where there are weed, but I have some other mints that I want to try that I haven't been able to find as a seedling yet. And so I'm experimenting with starting them from seed. 
And also to have some of those available at the market, you know, that are less common. So not like a peppermint or a spearmint, but some other more unusual varieties. And then um, some flowers like Echinacea or Black-Eyed Susan can also be very slow growing. I would recommend finding a seedling for those. Perennials like hollyhocks or columbine that typically need two years in order to flower, you can benefit from finding those as a seedling just to shortcut that wait time. Unless you get a first year flowering variety, you can find that sometimes with foxgloves or even with black-eyed Susan, but they're still a bit slow to grow. You can do it. It's not difficult. It's just slow. But the veggies, you're pretty well covered unless you're going for something like asparagus where you can buy the crowns. I've never tried growing asparagus from seed. It can be done. However, once again, it's just a very, very slow process. And um, asparagus already takes a little while to be harvestable. And so you would slow it down that much farther if you started it from seed. Okay. I feel like that is a pretty good summary of your two methods, which one you should consider when and some of your specific crop recommendations. But as always, if you have questions, let me know. Always here to answer them. Jessica at homegrownfoodandflowers.com. It's in the show notes as well. And if you have final questions on which method to use with what seeds, then go grab the garden planning toolkit that I have been mentioning the last few weeks. It has a planting calendar on there and it specifically says direct sow, start indoors, or buy as a seedling for the very common crops, veggies, flowers, and herbs. So that can be a nice little cheat sheet as well to get you over the hump of figuring out what should I dedicate space to for my indoor setup or what should I just chuck out into the garden and let it germinate there can be a very helpful guide in more ways than one that's it for this week i will talk to you in the next one bye